Guitarathon is the greatest guitar sale on earth, and it's happening now. Get massive savings on a huge selection of electric and acoustic guitars, basses, amps, pedals, and other accessories. Save up to $450 on a Gibson Les Paul Studio Deluxe, up to $900 on a Gibson Les Paul Trad Pro 4, or save up to 20% on other select Gibson guitars. Plus, get special financing on select major brands. Don't miss these incredible deals. Available online and in store now through November 1st. Guitarathon, only at Guitar Center. Find your sound. You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome into the Locked On Mavs podcast, a part of the larger Locked On podcast network that has uh, a podcast for just about every one of your favorite teams and a uh, Locked On NBA, a Locked On NBA NFL, a Locked On Fantasy Football. If you swing that way, they got everything for you. And now they have a Dallas Mavericks version, and that would be with myself, Mike Marshall of uh, 1310 The Ticket, and my co-host, Jacob Kemp, also of 1310 the ticket you can hear him weekdays monday through friday noon to three on the marconi award-winning bad radio how you doing jake i'm doing well one use my full government name and two <laughs> i'm just really i'm really excited to be working for the father of modern liberalism john Locke. uh also <laughs> uh elusive character on tv show lost that i did not watch but know enough about to annoy people who did um, so I just, you know, I also used to, uh, date this girl whose aim screen name was locked dreamer, like John locked, like locked dreamer. She was like really into philosophy and stuff. So this is a big day for me. I bet she was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, she cried a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Are you> surprised. <laughs> I was, I was wondering what happened to, uh, John Locke after he hung himself in the, uh, seventh season of lost, but totally apparently he's. He's, he's rebounded. He's, he's thriving on the internet sports streets, and uh, <laughs> I'm just glad to be uh, on a corner posted just, up. Just basically owning Utah, and that wasn't enough for him. He's just going to take over the entire podcast world. So I started listening to, listening to uh, his podcast last year. Uh, yeah. I, I don't even remember. It was you. Maybe it was you that told me about it, but let me just go ahead and say uh, he's, yeah, he, anyone who uh, works for a team is probably not going to like this, mm-hmm. um, but there are probably – only about five to ten play-by-play guys in the NBA who, not that I don't respect as broadcasters and as play-by-play guys, but as NBA minds. Like, I know that sure. kind of sounds like a lame thing to say, but, like, Followell, he deep dives. Mm-hmm. Like, Followell's, you know, he's way in there. And there are some others, but not all. You will learn that if you league pass it up. Like, late oh, on yeah. a Wednesday night, you'll hear some guy talking about, like, yeah, I don't know. Whatever it might be, like some you know common misconception, and you're like, wait, does he, does he, does he think that? Yeah, does he think that? <laughs> Who's he like, broadcasting yeah. to? Yeah, so like, yeah, no, this is a good one. I'm glad to be a part of it, and uh, you know what's wild is like you get super fired up uh, when September is here for football, and mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I'm gonna be so busy during football, and then I like realize that I'm seven weeks away from doubling down. <laughs> 
No doubt, man. <laughs> like it's a nice ramp up, though, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. It's the nice sure. gateway drug of hey, you have no time, and then it's hey, you can't even sleep now because basketball started. Yeah, and uh, um, you get into the habit of having to watch some big time college football game on the thirteen inch TV on press row at the <laughs> AC. The AC, yeah. where by the way, last night I saw there was another massive Trump rally. I don't know if you last saw last night. There was. No, uh, his son is continues to post oh, the photo. Oh, he's using that same picture where they like slammed out the AAC, and it was a huge crowd. But like, they keep using it for everything, and I'm like, "Hey, that's Brad Davis's jersey." <laughs> <laughs> retired. What are you doing? Super retired. Yeah, you can't. You got to at least crop out Neil Broughton and Mike Madonna up there. <laughs> I see the jerseys. A little lazy. Their Photoshop <laughs> intern has changed uh, changed seats a couple times. So ah, well. Did you uh did you see Twitter today from the Mavericks that they're having the uh the dodgeball game? No. Let's oh see. my gosh, man! Let's see what they're Steve has been up to. They're having a uh, Darren Williams put together, I guess, a charity dodgeball game, and it's like the Mavs maniacs versus the actual Mavericks. Oh, I'm except for it now. the yeah, except for the actual Mavericks are dressed up as grannies. Wow, and, a, little, uh, a little Larry Johnson vibe. There is a phenomenal photo of Rick Carlisle. Dressed as your grandma from Wataga or something. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He's got a wig and he's got a nightie on, and it is exceptional. And it might might change into my uh, my Twitter avatar oh at some time. Look at, you know, the other thing that Rick is doing right here in this photo I'm looking at is a classic move where you cross your arms and kind of thumb your biceps up a little bit. Ooh, that you is. Know? Just make them pop a little bit. That's the most junior high move that's ever happened. Wow, Wes looks like a G, too. Yeah, that's a great photo. I know, dude. It's spectacular. I wish I was there. Like, if they would have held it somewhere bigger than it looks like the uh, Frisco YMCA, then I would have been there. But uh, yeah. Dwight Powell actually looks like a grandmother. <laughs> That's concerning. Just a real, just a real young grandma. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, wow. Well, uh, hey, let's tell them what we're going to do here. We're going to do this on a daily basis. Uh, it'll be short for you, so it's not going to jam up your schedule. It'll be 20, 30 minutes of Mavericks talk on the daily um, for you to enjoy in different topics every day. I think next week we start our position previews, and then I know on the 23rd is media day, and I'm going to be down there bugging everybody for about an hour and a half, trying to get some player interviews and try and get some stuff you want to listen to, which I've been pretty successful in the past during the season and uh, and during media day, getting some guys that you actually want to talk to. I think I'm the only person that ever got Chandler Parsons on a radio station. I was going to say. In, in this market, so you were. I'll, uh, I'll hang that banner. And uh, let it let it sit there until someone else takes it down. But uh, my Twitter is at Machine Sports. His is at uh, not Jack Kemp. If you want to follow us for uh, good Mavericks talk on the regular, we'll usually respond to you if it's some Mav stuff. And uh, yeah, every single day we're gonna have something for you on here. Um, if you would like to be a uh, sponsor of uh, Locked On Mavs, this is your opportunity right now. Our demographic is eighty uh, percent men age between uh, 18 to 44, as everyone across the network uh, most likely is. And if you want to get on the ground floor, it's very reasonable rates. So jump on there. You want to turn some listeners into uh, into sponsors and uh, dudes that can really get uh, the word spread about their business or company or whatever they're looking for. So if you're interested in that, feel free to contact me uh, at uh, MikeMarshallMail at gmail.com, and I'll send it along to David. That's MikeMarshallMail at gmail.com, and I'll send it along to uh, David Locke, the uh, the godfather of this whole thing. Smoke but monster. I guess, <laughs> yeah, the smoke monster. But uh, what we're going to do today is uh, look back at this Mavs offseason and uh, see how we feel about what they've done 
with their dollars, see how we feel about basically trading Chandler Parsons for uh, for Harrison Barnes straight up, and uh, and how thankful we are that Kevin Durant saved our franchise for another three to four years. So um, I guess let's start there. Let's start with um, the decision to say buy Felicia to Chandler Parsons um, and sign a player that is very similar to him. Like I feel like they just re-racked and they did the same exact thing uh, they did um, three seasons ago whenever they did sign Chandler Parsons from the Rockets, a team that was loaded and uh, the third wheel uh, went out and got his own plate of food for once and I feel like Harrison Barnes is the same exact thing maybe a higher pedigree um and Barnes seeing that he was the number one player coming out of uh out of high school and his his years at North North Carolina I think if you had projected his uh if you just simulated all scenarios on 2k17 with Harrison Barnes you would think he might be uh you know a number one pick coming out of North Carolina but no he felt like seven and um spent time with the Golden State Warriors as everyone knows and I guess my question to you is, how do you feel about the trade of telling Chandler Parsons you're not worth four years, $94 million, but uh, then turning around and saying Harrison Barnes is definitely worth 22 a year? Well, to quote another TV show that I didn't watch that I see the clip of all the time, Mad Men, it's uh, not great, Bob, not <laughs> great. And I know we have slightly differing opinions on this, really – I think the similarities stop at that they both play the same position because Mm -hmm. to me, the difference, whenever you brought Parsons here from Houston, it was the classic, let's see if this guy can expand his role, but really his fit was pretty nice. Uh, Maybe not so nice with Dirk, but offensively, he's a pick and roll player who could shoot the three. Like he was a, a, you know, modern NBA wing, which looked to me like that's what the Mavericks for I, when I used to do the deal for uh, Mavs Outsider before you got involved, I wrote three or four articles like going back through their old uh, synergy numbers. They were leading the league in pick and roll if you combined the roll man and the ball handler for like a decade. And it was every year they did it, it was higher. So they were setting a new record for percentage of their offense that came out of the pick and roll every single year. And it just seemed to me like Parsons could do that. He could be on either end of it. He could be the roll man, obviously not very often, but he could create. Like, it made sense to me how he would fit in Rick's system. And again, notwithstanding the defensive fit with Dirk. On the flip side, I feel like Barnes, you're not only asking to you not you not only need to ascertain whether or not he can take on a bigger role you have to figure out whether he can play in a different way and I think that's a different question because to me I could easily see him getting being a I don't know 18 and 11 player I don't know 19 and 7 but if he's getting all of it out of post-ups and isolation plays and you know the occasional like if he's not ever handling the ball then I think they'll be worse off yeah if uh I think you're you're dead on with the the assumption that they're not uh, in any way alike uh, on the court and what they can contribute to a team. But let me ask you, okay, so Her- we we can agree that Harrison Barnes is a way better on ball defender and off ball defender, right? There's no doubt. I think when you talk about Parsons' defense, you're pretty much just hoping for him to be a team defender, like for him to be able to defend his position. Or not even really defend his position, but to be to work in the overall defensive system and not be a sieve. Whereas Barnes, I feel pretty comfortable putting him on a three or a four and saying, let's see what we can do here. Yeah, and I think we could all agree that Harrison Barnes is 
judging from past injury, like the greatest predictor of future injury is past injury. Um, and I think we can comfortably say that he's going to play more games per season than Chandler Parsons. So once you start throwing in all these little, you know, they're not the main reason. Like, I, I feel like I'm talking myself into it's almost being a wash. But defensively, health-wise, um, age, the opportunity to improve, which I don't know if Chandler Parsons actually had been declining the last two years. And, yeah, they were injury-riddled. That was the story of his Maverick career. It was, you know, he played one playoff game yeah. uh, in the two, th- two seasons. And, actually, we made the playoffs both seasons. So, um, But Harrison Barnes, you assume he's going to be healthy. You assume he can uh, play pretty decent defense. I don't know if it's above league average, but league average on a three or a four is, uh, is something of value. Um, consistent three-point shooting. Um, and I think we all kind of fell in love with that January that Chandler Parsons had last season and saw the future. And I honestly thought he was just going to drive up to the AAC and leave his car running and sign a 4 for 94 max offer sheet at the end of, at the end of last season. But I kind of um, applaud the Mavericks for once in this, um, you know, Donnie Nelson, Mark Cuban era for asking themselves a hard question and saying, is this guy worth four for 94? Is he a fit here? Is he going to miss 30-plus games or 20-plus games and not be um, worthy, not worthy, but not be available during the playoffs? And for me, it's almost a wash. Like, if there were, like, decimal points, (laughs) I might say uh, you went back maybe, like, 0.2. But I can see what they were thinking. And that doesn't make it right, necessarily, but... Well, he's younger, which Mm -hmm. uh, if you really want to be a pessimistic Mavericks fan, that just means that he'll only be 28 or 29 when he hits free agency again and he can join another super team if he's really good for you. (laughs) Um, But So he obviously has the fact that this next year will be his age 24 season, whereas for Parsons it'll be 28. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel a little bit weird about predicting Parsons' injuries just because – I don't know. They kind of seemed. It's weird to be having this conversation at the same time as we're Cowboy fans that you talk about Romo because I'm like convinced that Romo's never going to be healthy again. But I'm less convinced on Parsons, and maybe it's just because he's younger. But it's really the it's a similar situation where they're different injuries, but they're still leg injuries. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. people are like, "Oh, they're different." Well, they're different, but it's a human body. Like it's all talking to each other. So I think the more interesting question is. Uh, is just about fit because I would say Parsons not a great fit with Dirk because Parsons really cooked when they played him at the four defensively that was an issue um, whenever he was at the three when Dirk was at the four but he was a really good fit with Wes or at least ideally like on paper he's a good fit with Wes whereas Barnes I think could be a pretty good fit with Dirk but not a great fit with Wes and Wes is going to be here a lot longer I assume than Dirk is so a big part of what I think about what Harrison Barnes will be as a Maverick revolves around what Wes Matthews is as a 2016-17 Maverick. Because if he's just going to stand in the corner and like be a pretty good defender, but like he can never, ever create, okay, I got one of those guys now. Well, mm-hmm. that's all I've seen Barnes do. All right, now yep. I got two of those guys. Uh, you know, Bogut is not rim running. You now – I've – Basically, I guess what I'm saying is I could see them going from being one of the heaviest pick-and-roll teams over a decade to being bottom five next year because I just don't see who's going to run it. Like, I almost would start J.J. Barea, and I know that sounds crazy because Devin's, or Darren's here, Devin too, but Darren's, you know, a, 
he's a one-time elite player, but I got to have somebody to to handle the ball and go to the rim. Yeah, and that's what Chandler Parsons brought. He brought right. a secondary ball handler and a guy that could get his own shot off, whether or not they were always, you know, quality looks as he was running uh, horizontally towards the basket and stuff like that. But there, you have a starting five that of a collection of dudes that can't create their own shot. Right. And what we saw last year whenever teams realized, or it might have just been, you know, Zaza after the Achilles thing uh, leading into the All-Star game, which I think that was – that was bound to happen. Uh, if you watch basketball closely, you know dudes that play, you know, 18 to 20 minutes a night. Once you jack them up to 30, that just shortens their season and their uh, their punch that they can give you. And that happened to Zaza, and it happened to Darren as well last year. But as soon as teams realized Zaza was no threat to dive at the basket, that offense sunk. Yeah, there were there were possessions that looked like high school possessions, and there were multiple per game where Zaza would come set a screen to start a pick and roll. There would be no roll threat. And then all of a sudden, uh, he's got the ball 28 feet from the basket. And he's just sitting there with a dead ball with 11 seconds left in the shot clock. So that does concern me a ton of who creates their own shot. And you've got to get real creative. And you've got to start uh, subbing in JJ. um, Seven-minute mark, at least. Um and then maybe get Justin Anderson involved just to get some yeah. athleticism on the floor. But I feel like I gave them too much credit in saying that they willingly traded Chandler Parsons for Harrison Barnes because there was, what, a week there where Parsons said bye. They went after um, Mike Conley. He said bye. They went after Hassan Whiteside. He said no thanks. And they were – they were, yeah, they were days away from, maybe hours away from, offering something like a one-year $25 million contract to a dude like Marvin Williams or uh, just just a scab of a one-year contract to somebody, which, yeah, is a good player. But if you're going to be honest and try and uh, make any kind of conscious bridge past number 41, Dirk, then... That's not the route to go. They were they were they were begging at that point, and Kevin Durant saved them by going to Golden State. Yeah, it's weird. Like it took me a minute after the Durant thing was so wild that it took me probably fifteen minutes of sitting there. I was in an airport. I remember whenever he announced it of being like, "Oh shit, I guess uh, <laughs> I guess Harrison Barnes is a Maverick now." Right. Like, what does this mean? In the end, I think it's kind of a wash, but I don't want to give them too much credit for uh, putting their future of their franchise uh, on the line and eventually just taking three steps forward uh, and then three or three back and then three forward by being saved by Kevin Durant. And I look at the starting lineup now, um, and you can feel free to disagree, but I think the starting five is the strongest starting five. Uh, front to back in actuality. Um, I know we had big ideas for Rondo and Tyson Chandler year, but in actuality on paper, I think this is the most solid starting five they're going to have since 2011. You know, it. this is going to become a theme as we do this show throughout the year and put it out every day, but to me, it really depends on what Wes Matthews is because before Wes Matthews got hurt a uh, year before last, you and I like were freaking swooning at the idea of him being a Maverick. Mm-hmm. Like he was to me a guy who like not only did it 
I mean, the Mavericks were actually a pretty decent defensive team last year. I mean, I think they ended up tailing off down to probably like, what, like 15th, 16th or 17th in defensive rating. But there was a time when they were, for most of the season, they were like, you know, 10 through 12. And he's a big part of that. So that part of it was legit. But he just, he gums up your offense so bad sometimes. And to me, what they are next year as far as the starting five goes a lot of it depends on what they're going to get out of Wes Matthews. And I don't think him just being a better three-point shooter is going to be enough. Like, I think he needs to be not only a better three-point shooter, he's going to have to go to the rim some. And he didn't do that a ton in uh, in Portland, but he didn't do it at all here. He ended up at 36% from three. If he could get to 39% and maybe go to the rim five times a game instead of one or two, I think he's a 16-point-a-game guy. And then I figure out what Barnes is next to him. I would say that, like, intrigue-wise, it's probably top five. But I don't – I really think that that – even if you have uh, – even if you have uh, – who am I thinking of? Jameer Nelson at the one. Mm-hmm. That team was was offensive dynamo for two months. So I would say it stacks up with that one. And then obviously, again, you know, on paper you look at Rondo and you think, wow, this is going to be phenomenal. And I defended that trade at the time, so – um, you know what? I think bench-wise, though, I would say it's definitely the most exciting bench they've had. So yeah. if you think it's the most exciting or the best top five, I'll I'll stake my claim on the on this bench any day. And here's why: one, Justin Anderson. You know, we probably overrate him because we're so thirsty for a rookie to be good. Mm-hmm. But again, very good on-ball defender. Three-point shot is to be determined, but I think he can go to the rim too. Yeah. So there's another type that I want those type of guys. Uh, we saw that Salah, even though he's going to be 30 in his second year, he can give you quality minutes at the five off the bench. Sometimes Barnes can play the four in bench units. You still have JJ. I think Seth Curry will be the new JJ Barea, and I don't necessarily mean that he's taking Barea's minutes, but you know, a lot of people who listen to this might laugh at comparing a guy to Barea and saying, you know, they may think that's a, an insult. If you're a Maverick fan, you know that Barea has been a huge part of most of their wins for the past two years. No, those are important minutes, man. Those are game-changing minutes that J.J. Barea plays. And they're especially important because no one else does it. Mm -hmm. So now I've got another guy. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you're obviously not going to start him for Matthews, but Curry, I would not be surprised if he ends up playing heavy, heavy minutes because, again, he can shoot the three and he can go to the rim. And really not even go to the rim, but his pick-and-roll passing is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Like, his his – Curry's ability to make to fit that pocket pass. I mean, obviously he hasn't played much in the league, so it's re- really kind of odd for me to be hyping up a guy who hasn't played much. But I think their bench unit is legit. I mean, you still have the three guard lineup or the rotation, although I hope they never go three guard lineup again. Um, and then you've got Salah, and you, then you've got uh, Anderson. So to me. I like the bench a lot. Yeah, and getting rid of uh, Ray Felton, I think, was actually a positive. <laughs> Love Ray, but yeah. A positive. If, I, if you're telling me I'm trading Seth for Ray, then yeah. Right, a positive from, from an actual loss on the roster because Rick won't be able to reach over there for his blankie um, and roll out Ray Felton, J.J. Barea-type lineups. Um, I also didn't even just mention Dwight Powell, who I know a lot yeah. of people think they're overpaid for, but Dwight, Dwight Powell's still only 24. Yeah. No, that, I think the most intriguing thing for me is what uh, what what is their plan for him? Because I've always wanted him to be like a very high activity five uh, off the bench, and he's going to be high activity no matter what, unless you just start 
making him play pick and pop or something like that. But that's the weakness. That's the soft underbelly, I think, is the, is the bigs. Because Sala is fine, but I don't know if you can stretch Sala from – say Bogut, you know, Bogut misses games. That's just part of it. He's going to miss 20 yeah. games. The baseline is 20 games this season. And I love Bogut defensively. I love what he can do uh, rebounding. Passing, rebounding, passing the ball. Um, and I like him in a locker room because he's just like a good, cool, fun dude to play basketball with. But he misses 20 games. He can't play north of 25 minutes. Um, it's not quite Zaza because I think just naturally he's a, a couple ticks above Zaza. But that backup big position, I can see a lot of Quincy AC happening. Uh, I can. I don't think they're gonna. They don't believe in AJ Hammonds a bit. Uh, from what I've from what I've heard, and they don't like his attitude a ton. So I wouldn't put any kind of faith in him seeing minutes. Um, he might be the next Bernard James or something like that. But uh, yeah, I don't think they're gonna be elite in one thing offensively like um from the starting five team over okay yeah from the from the starting five i don't think they're going to be elite offensive or elite in any area honestly um because everyone is just seems like a b minus on each side of the court kind of um and i don't know if you can teach them new tricks where everybody you say okay i don't have any shot creation so maybe everybody just picks up their shot creation just like 5% and then we're fine. But I don't think it works like that. Um, I think I think they'll be a top 10 defensive team. Yeah, I think they'll be really good defensively. And they, they better be, honestly. Because if they're not uh, getting consistent, good uh, defensive possessions and uh, holding teams to a low offensive rating, I don't know if they can fill it up um, on on a regular basis. Because well, of I, I, I think that they can't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just going to – I think – so last year I think they were 11th in offense, 17th defense. I think that will just basically flip. Mm-hmm. Like if I had to put money on it right now, I'd say they'll end up about 8th or 9th in deficiency, uh, defensive efficiency and probably about 17th to 19th in offensive. And that's going to be really weird for fans of this team mm-hmm. given, you know, what the last 20 years has looked like. But I don't really see any way around it. I mean, really, the only way around it is if Barnes and Matthews both, both, not one, both those guys do something they've basically never done before. And that happens. It happens, you know, fairly routinely, I guess, throughout the league. But it doesn't mean that it's like a common thing, you know. They would both have to have basically become, have career years and be like new players. Mm -hmm. Which I think it's probably more likely for Barnes and Matthews just because of the age and lack of injury but you know who's got the ball with 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 40 seconds left it's gonna be in a, in it's gonna a, be jj or Derek. one point game <laughs> yeah it's and really they might both be on the floor together yeah you i don't see a secondary ball handler um outside of jj brea and obviously he's not you're gonna need to hide him defensively so you don't want him um standing at the top of the three-point line trying to defend the other team's point guard uh, especially in the Western Conference, like I don't know who he can guard uh, if he's out there, but yeah, I don't, I don't see a secondary ball handler. And for all the flaws that Chandler Parsons had and reasons he's not back here, you could just come up and kick it to him and understand that a decent possession was about to happen. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I Wes is my biggest question mark. I think um, because even natural trajectory Wes uh no Achilles injury or anything 
I don't know if he would have been good enough this year to make this offense special. If you take fully healthy, straight out of Portland, no uh, Achilles tear Wes, and you plug him in, and last year was a normal year, and this year is his second uh, year with Carlisle, like, I don't know if that's good enough to uh, to overcome. Well, if he was basically played the exact same game but shot 39 or 40% from three instead of 36, and really he finished pretty strong to get to 36, but he was next to Parsons, then mm-hmm. it might not be an issue because yep. – he would his shots would be created for him. That's what I'm saying. Whereas next to Barnes, like, I mean, I would not be surprised at all if, despite not having a really a, a you know a, a bruising big, mm-hmm. they're going to be like a top five team in post ups because yep. they love to post D will up. Mm-hmm. Harrison Barnes really that's probably the main way it seems like he gets his offense. And Wes and will do it too. They'll exactly they'll post Wes up too. So. It's not like uh it's not exactly what I would say something to write home about that you have three wing players mm-hmm. that are like reliant on post ups, but that's going to happen. And maybe they can somehow, you know, create offense through their wing and guard post ups. Um, which would be interesting to see because you really don't see that many teams try it anymore, but they're gonna have to. Like that's the only way they're going to be able to create uh open looks. You know, the other thing is I think they could play faster. Mm-hmm. Oh, they were really slow last year. Yeah, they, they were exceptionally slow. in pace. Um, and, you know, you're, it's not exactly going to work great whenever Dirk and Bogut are both on the floor together. But mm-hmm. if Dirk's at the five or that bench unit's in there, I think they should be trying to gas people. Yeah. Because you got some quick dudes, and uh, there's some shooting on that bench unit too. Well, that's, I think that'd be, that's going to be kind of natural. If you throw J.J. in there. Um, at, say, the seven-minute mark and you get Justin Anderson involved and then you throw a sprinkling of Dwight Powell in there, like, you're naturally going to be a lot faster of a team. And what they did last year um, in slowing the ball down, that was kind of out of necessity because they couldn't run a decent pick and roll. um, And they were just kind of, like, scratching and clawing to get good looks. And it didn't really work out. Like, I know their offensive rating was fine last year. I know they were uh, right around 10. Um, last season, that doesn't matter to me, man. You didn't watch those games. Like their offense was stinking bad and they have a cheat code for like, they're, they're always a good, uh, free throw team. They're always a, uh, a middle of the pack or upper, upper, uh, crest turnover team in terms of, uh, not giving the ball away. And I feel like Mm -hmm. they, they're, they're the one team that can cheat offensive rating where I can look at the offensive rating of the, uh, you know, top 10 teams and I can look at the Mavericks and go, no. Their offense is not that good, um, but they always find a way around it and end up like top 10. And back to your point about post-ups, that seems like the most counterintuitive thing to do in modern NBA is uh, let's dump the ball down there and get a nice contested uh, six-foot shot or something like that. Yeah. But that's how they're going to have to survive. Yeah. Like, There's no way around it. And I guess as I'm talking myself into this like really balanced team, where uh, you have a couple guys that could career and a couple guys that, uh, you know, there's upside still there, but you're going to live off how many stops you can get and uh, how many good looks you can generate uh, from off, off of play calling, basically. I'm, they look like an Atlanta Hawks team. <laughs> just, just exceptionally balanced, um, yeah. but not elite they- anywhere. And they shouldn't make too many mistakes. That's a Atlanta trademark. Mm-hmm. Although probably Atlanta's just doing us. Right. 
Um, but that that's it's not something necessarily to get super excited about, but it is interesting. Mm-hmm. Like if you're just interested in watching smart basketball people try to solve problems, I think the Mavericks are going to provide that, you know, in droves this year. I don't think mm-hmm. they're going to beat anybody. I don't think they're, a, you know, a, really a threat, but I do think it'll be interesting to see what they're what they're able to to do and and really I kind of hope this is the team they go with the whole year. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sick of trading picks. You know, we've done it. We've tried it. And that's not necessarily to, an indicator that it would never work again. But I'm, I think I'm over it. You know, I just – I think we go into every year, it seems like, for the past five years being like, all right, well, maybe at the deadline. Mm-hmm. I just – I'm done with it, man. I, I just want them to roll with what they got. And, you know, I mean, really, would the cap will go up a little bit more next year before it comes back down take another shot at, you know, a point guard next year. You know, Wes's deal really doesn't look that bad now, even if – which is, you know, was not hard to see at the time at all. I feel like we were both kind of like – you realize that this is a percentage of an overall – okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're not like in a bad spot, and they're young, you know. So I feel good about where they're at. It's just I don't necessarily love the route they took to get here. Yeah, I mean, would they be a better team at this exact moment if they kept Chandler Parsons, uh, brought back brought back Darren, and then um, went free agent shopping for a center? You know, I would say that they would be better whenever, but they would be better, but they would be better for fewer games. Yeah, and that's, so that's the thing. Really I, what it comes down to. That's what I got tired of, man. Like yeah. everybody has their own little bugaboo. Yeah. Um, of what really annoys them about this Mavericks team, and there's such a buffet to pick from. Um, I think what annoyed me is just watching a team the first 40 games and saying, okay, this is what we are now. We know what we are um, and what we can be good at, but that's about to change because we have a team, a roster full of dudes that can only play 60 games. And once you get to the playoffs, you don't have a chance, and it's almost sad. It's like the dog that's been in the kennel for nine days. It's like, okay, like let's just be over with this season because we're going to limp into the playoffs. We're going to get destroyed by a, uh, a top four seed. And we're all going to look at it and feel nothing about it because we're missing you know, one or two of our four best players every single playoff. And I just want dudes that are going to be there the entire season. I don't know if that's a minutes managing type thing in terms of uh, you know, Darren got a hernia last year. Chandler Parsons had his his plate full of injuries. Um, Berea, you know, tore his hamstring basically, I think, in the first game of the playoffs. They just needed to be deeper and needed to give Rick some toys to play with. And for them not to be uh, so reliant on the same exact tricks every time they got in a hole of going to Brea to create shots um, and leaning on Zaza for way too many minutes. And I think this roster has an opportunity to give Rick some toys where he can plug in and say, okay, let's manage this thing. Let's manage this so when we get to the playoffs, it's not an absolute joke. Well, we'll see. This one, uh, this podcast is probably a little bit longer than we'll regularly do it, right? Just because yeah, it's, just kind of a touch. Glo- it's a global topic. Right. But, uh, yeah, I'm not ready to give you like my win-loss prediction. <laughs> no, not um, quite. Eight, game by game, 82 games. But, uh, yeah, I look forward to doing this, man. It should be, uh, should be fun throughout the year. And, look, there's few things that give me as much like – I don't really keep my eye on the big picture with basketball like I do with baseball. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know why. It's only half as many games, but I get very mood swingy about the Mavs. Yeah. Uh, so, and I'm sure this team will be no different, especially when you're when you're mediocre. That just is what it is, you know. But you're always in the middle of a, a slightly good or slightly bad streak, and it always feels better or worse. So, check out our uh, collective id uh, <laughs> on display throughout the year as the Mavericks uh, win five in a row and then lose seven in a row. Yeah, this will be our this will be our uh, verbal therapy. As we talk talk each other off uh, ledges whenever we right. whenever we drop a Milwaukee uh, Knicks oh, no. Knicks back to back or something the, like that, the Knicks home game two <laughs> years ago I think it was a Sunday night that one that was a silent ride home from the arena. <laughs> so how can people subscribe? Uh, they can just click on the subscribe button on Locked on Mavs on our feed. Um, if you go whether you're on iTunes or on the uh, on Android, however Android people get there get their podcast you just click on subscribe. I, think they, I think they actually just take a stone tablet and chisel down until it becomes a podcast oh well that's productive that that's, seems but android provides you with the chisel oh well that's thoughtful of them is it like a is it like the blackberry pen or is it any bigger <laughs> yeah it's uh it's a uh, a stone a stylus, stylus. <laughs> yeah diamond diamond sharp stylus yeah, that's right. yeah but Please subscribe. We'll be doing this on a daily basis. And uh, please listen to uh, Bad Radio, noon to 3 on the ticket. Listen to the Shake Joint Sundays, uh, 8 a.m. on the ticket. And you can listen to my show, too, if you uh, if you feel like it. 10 a.m. Saturdays. It's called Not a Podcast on Sports Radio 1310, the ticket. And we will see you tomorrow. Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.